How are we doing? Are we okay? Yes, yes, we are. Yes. Lovely. Fantastic. Well, um, it's great to be with you. Uh, as Helen's just mentioned, my name is Alan. I'm a Baptist minister here, and uh, it's a real privilege to be with you and speaking to you today. Now, it is the first Sunday of Advent, which my wife may have mentioned once or twice. And so I am kicking off today our Advent uh, series, which is Light in the Darkness, and uh, which sounds quite heavy when I say that. But before we get into that, I am going to tell you a little story, if I may. Is that okay? That is okay. Good. I'm glad. If you'd said no, I don't know what we would have done. We'd have probably just stared at one another for about five minutes, but that's fine. So, a little story. Last, I have three children. I have two off at university, uh, one in Loughborough, one in Lincoln, and then my daughter, Faith, is the only one left at home with her parents. This is, this is better than I expected. Thank you. So, there are occasions when we like to pack our daughter off to go and see our, our sons at university. And uh, last weekend was one of them. So, Faith was due to take a day trip to Loughborough to see her brother, Max. Now, uh, it had been a busy week. Helen had made all of the preparations, bought the tickets online, and uh, we wanted to give her a lie-in. So, we got up early, so it would be a nice full day for Faith in Loughborough. She was in bed, and so Faith and I had some breakfast and uh, left plenty of time to get her down to the station. It was as we sat in the car outside the house that I remembered that Faith's phone is broken. Uh, you can call, you can make text, but you can't receive internet on it unless you're on Wi-Fi. So, Faith, have you got your tickets? Yes, Mum's emailed them to me. Have you downloaded them onto your phone? No. So off she went, scampered back into the house, and she, uh, she brought up the Wi-Fi, and she downloaded uh, her email, uh, got, got the tickets that she needed, and she came and joined us in the car. And what had been a really easy loads of time was now feeling a little bit more precious. Uh, so we set off and driving down to the station. It's not a long journey, uh, but I said, okay, so does Max know when he's picking you up from the station in Loughborough? Oh, I don't know. Okay, uh, great. Starting to, the brain is already starting to whir. Um, maybe you should call him, just check that as a student on a Saturday before midday, that he is out of bed. And so Faith dutifully picks up her phone and she dials and waits and waits and waits. Max is, is not near his phone. So he drops a message in case he's in the shower. We continue down towards the station. I'm thinking, okay, uh, I think we've got tickets. I think we're fine. Uh, we're not sure whether she's going to be collected in a town that she's only been to a handful of times. And she certainly doesn't know where Max's new student house is. What could possibly go wrong? Faith, have you got your maps on your phone? Is that okay? He's got, I've got no internet, Dad. Okay, this is starting to feel great. And by the way, Dad, you've also, um, the, the stuff that we've got on the phone means that I can't turn my location on. So even if I had maps, I wouldn't know where I was. So we carry on down, we're driving down, and my brain, as you can imagine, is whirring. Why don't you give your brother a call? Just check to see whether he's up and around. Uh, so she does, and there's no answer. And we pull into the station, and when I drop the boys off at the station, I pull into the drop-off part, and they get off, and off they go. So I did that with Faith and thought, no, I'm supposed to be taking her to the platform. So I'd wasted a couple more minutes as I circled back, sat in traffic, pulled into the, uh, the multi-story car park, found somewhere to park. Went through, 
took Faith's phone, got the internet, had at least downloaded a map of Loughborough on there which she could access offline. Faith, what platform are we on? I have no idea. We look up at the board, it is platform 8A. I'm thinking platform 8A is the far end. So we scamper across the bridge, we're down. I'm thinking 8A, 8A, 8A. That's where the busy trains are, isn't it? The big long ones that go off down to London. And sure enough, the train that she was on was the early train on a Saturday morning to St Pancras. And thank you. You know, you know, don't you, that it is one of the busiest trains that leaves the station. So Faith is dutifully queuing in the crush by the door about four back, waiting to go onto the train. Feeling, I might add, having had her dad ask her some really important questions, a little stressed. So anyway, she waits and she dutifully waits and she gets up onto the train and then there's a queue while uh, down the corridor while people are putting stuff in the overhead um, luggage stuff. And uh, I walk along thinking I'll at least find her seat for her. And I see her seat and I, and I go, Faith, Faith, over here. And dutifully, she follows my pointing finger and walks straight past the seat that she was supposed to be seated, seated in. So I run along and I'm banging on the window. Nobody can hear, not even the people in the seat that I'm banging next to. It's obviously that busy and that much of a crush on the stage. While I, well, on, the, on the train, not on the stage. Um, but as, uh, as I get her attention and as I'm stood near her seat, I see a gentleman come and talk through the window. Uh, and the, the ladies uh, who are sat around the table go, no, I don't think so. And so a gentleman sits down and he calls his daughter to come and sit in the seat facing. And uh, Faith by now has returned and is stood behind said gentleman. I'm stood in front. I'm going, you need to ask him to move. And she's going, I am so stressed, Dad. I'm not asking anybody anything. You need to ask him to, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm not. So eventually I get the guy's attention, not by banging on the window, because that's a fruitless task, ladies and gentlemen. I managed to get the attention of the guy who sat in the seat, and I, and I sort of pull a sad face, and I, and I sort of point at him, and he looks at me, and I, and I point at Faith behind, and he sort of turns and looks, and he okay. And so at least he stood and he moved and he allowed Faith to sit down. And then I turned and I walked away, thinking, should I drive to Loughborough? <laughs> to ensure that somebody will at least pick up my daughter in a place that she doesn't know, with a map, with no sat-nav location. And I drive home thinking, oh my goodness, what do I do? By the time I get home, uh, I speak, I've, I've, I've missed that bit. Uh, her ticket that she's going, Dad, I've got the ticket to Long Eaton. And I'm thinking, that's not even Loughborough. So uh, split tickets, apparently, you can go on a website and it will split the ticket so it's cheapest. Doesn't make any, uh, no layer of complexity there for your child at all. Uh, but by the time I get home, Max has uh, woken up and has given uh, Faith a call. And she's heard the voice on the phone that brings just that little sense of peace <sighs> to her dad, if no one else. <laughs> and imagine how she felt when she saw her brother at the station. Uh, there you go. That was it. Right. Good. Uh, no. Um, As we enter into Advent, we're going to be considering a journey that the Israelite people have taken from the edge of exile, the start of uh, exile, being taken into a foreign land, all the way through to the birth of Jesus. 
and then uh, the visit of the Magi. We're going to be going on this journey. <clears throat> and as, uh, as I've been thinking and preparing not only for that Advent series, but also uh, for this morning, I've just had that sense of journey, that life is like a journey. And our journey with Jesus, our life with Jesus, is like a journey of faith been often described as a journey of faith. You might think Pilgrim's Progress. You might think of the Israelites and their mammoth journey out of Egypt, wandering in the wilderness before they cross into the, uh, cross the Jordan into the Promised Land. Life is like a journey, and a life with Jesus is a journey of faith. And as we look this morning, we are going to be uh, beginning in Isaiah uh, chapter 40 uh, and verses 1 to 11. And the first uh, 39 chapters of Isaiah are all about the judgment of uh, God on Israel. Uh, the brooding uh, uh, cloud darkness on the horizon coming from the north will be this great army that will come and sack the land and take off the Israelites into exile. And they are at the gate. They are literally camped outside the walls of Jerusalem. And into that place, God speaks these words. Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 11, says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. See, the, Israel, uh, the Israelites, the towns of Judah, Jerusalem, face this great army at the gates. And it's into that darkness, into that bleak situation that the Lord speaks comfort. Comfort, comfort my people. And as we consider this message and we consider where they are in that place of darkness, we ask the question, what comfort, Lord? What comfort? 
And I don't know what's happening in your life at the moment. We can certainly look at the situation in our country and think of the cost of living crisis. We can think of uh, the soaring domestic uh, prices for, for energy. We can uh, recognize that inflation is the highest it has been for a long time, that there will be a squeeze on our living standards. We can look across the world and we can see that there is war in Europe. Who would have thought that there would be war in Europe? That there's a climate crisis, floods in Pakistan, all kinds of stuff going off around the world at the moment. We can think that this is a dark moment for our world and for our nation. At the 9 a.m., Helen led us to pray, not only for Tom, but also for those that are going out on strike. And as she said in that moment, for nurses to be striking, to be leaving their posts, means that they are feeling that this is a really desperate time and a desperate season. And that's before we consider what's going on in our own lives. The Lord speaks, comfort, comfort my people. But it's worth asking the question, isn't it? What is this comfort that we hear of? It says in verse 9 this, You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. And as a little girl who has been made anxious by the questions of her father sits on a train and hears the voice of her brother, that brings a word of comfort. God speaks. His voice is heard. It's more when she arrives in Loughborough, although he has called on and said that he will be a little bit late because he had overslept, thanks for calling. His presence also in that place, in that moment, would have brought peace to our little girl. His voice is a source of comfort. His presence is a source of comfort. Verse 10, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. His power and knowing who it is that we worship is a source of comfort. And then finally, see his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him into the dark and desperate times. He promises his voice, he promises his presence, he promises his power, but he also promises his blessing, his love, his joy, his peace, his goodness, his kindness, all ready in double measure to be poured out to you and I. And they're the four things that I'm going to just look at very briefly this morning. <clears throat> Firstly, his voice, into the darkness God speaks. <coughs> Excuse me. He maybe sounds a little bit hoarse. I don't know, but my wife is getting me a little drink. There you go. Thank you very much. And that's the first time that I've not spilt that on myself, so I'm sure to kick it over in just a moment. So watch for that. This year has been a tough year for us. Uh, I've shared on the stage bereavement that there's been health issues within the family. Uh, there's been all kinds of stuff going on for us. And Tom's off now, and so there's extra um, expectation and responsibility in the workplace. And in the toughest moments of this year, there have been times uh, when I've felt really, uh, really low, and I've opened the scriptures. And I don't know whether you've ever had those moments when the words leap off the page. And not only go in here, but go in here as well. 
And there have been moments like that this year that have been incredibly, incredibly powerful. And one of those verses, I'm going to have a big cough and I'm going to move my microphone for all of you at home. One second. Anybody want to join me? There you go. Psalm 46 um, uh, says this. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. The Lord is within her. She will not fall. The Lord will help her at the break of day. And there have been times and moments when I've woken in the morning and I've just not felt on it. And that has become my mantra. There is a river, a stream. There is the Holy Spirit that makes glad the city of God. What are those words that when you are feeling it, when you are in those places, the words that the Lord brings to mind, that not only are those things that are nice to remember, but change your perspective on the day that lies ahead. She will not fall. The Lord will help her at the break of day. His voice is a source of comfort. His voice his presence. Verse 3 says, prepare the way for the Lord. It's the great passage uh, that is attributed then uh, a few hundred years later to John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. But prepare the way for the Lord. Leading on to verse 9, which says, here is your God. Or in another translation, behold your God. In the dark place, we remember who it is that we serve. His presence is with us. And if you've ever seen a small child running around, we get a few of them at the front of church. If they ever fall or trip or hurt themselves, which they never do in this church. But if they were to, the first thing that they do is they look for their parent, don't they? They look for the adult that they came with. The parent doesn't have to do anything, doesn't have to say anything, maybe just wrap their loving arms around them. There is comfort in the presence of the Lord. And as much as in this Advent season, we are waiting for the birth of Jesus at Christmas. Spoiler alert, he was born 2,000 years ago. We're waiting and we're preparing our hearts once again. But we know that through the death of Jesus on the cross, that all of our sins have been taken that everything that separated us from the Father has been taken, has been done away with, was nailed to the cross. We know that three days later, he rose again from the dead, defeating death. And then sometime after that, he was taken up into heaven. And as he went up into heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. So in that place of darkness, we don't have to wait for the Lord to come. We know that he is already with us. And this year, I'm learning more and more to sit at his feet. Not to necessarily bring my prayer lists, although there is plenty on them. But just to sit and to wait in his presence. Anybody take, make use of, uh, of the prayer shed over last week, um, over the prayer week? If you didn't, you missed out. I did uh, one morning uh, turn up uh, every time I'd been in. 
there had been no one in there. They'd left. I was obviously a little bit late. But I turned up on this, on this morning, on the Friday, a little bit later than I had, had intended. I was about 20 minutes after my time slot had started. I looked through the window as I came past. There was no one in there. I opened the door, and I had the fright of my life. It was Moira Gibbons. Uh, she was sat in there very quietly, and I jumped like nobody's business. She's terrifying when you're not expecting her. I can tell you. And she said to me, and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing, that she was a little bit skeptical about a shed outside church in November. She said she spent time in there and she's really won over. It was a really powerful, powerful time for her. And it's the same for you and me. If we pause, if we wait on him, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing that can separate us from his power and from his presence. And I'm going to go on to power right now. Power, verse 10, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. In whatever we face right now, isn't it good to know that he is sovereign? That he is in charge? That having given our lives to him, that he has agency to bring change and transformation to our situation. Isn't that good? He's almighty God. He was the one that flung the stars into space, that spoke the world into being. Which when I read verse 7, all people are like grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the God endures forever. When I consider that I'm like grass and my time on this planet is fleeting, and yet he is sovereign and has been here through the whole sweep of history. And I see my little problems, my big problems, the enormous problems that seem to stand in front of me. I think, I don't have to fix this. Am I going to trust myself to get myself out of this scrape that I may have got myself into? Or do I trust that God is sovereign, that he is almighty, that he is all-powerful? And what's more, he has promised he has promised that in all things, the highs and the lows, that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him. But I'm going through such horrendous stuff. Do we trust him? That he is sovereign? Because he is. It's no surprise to him that Tom is off right now. It may be a surprise to us. But he's put a great team in place. The wardens have stepped up, doing an amazing job. He is sovereign. He is almighty. He is all-powerful. He can where I cannot. So we listen to his words. We do things his way, trusting in his wisdom, not in our own. We trust in his promises. And just as it goes on in uh, Psalm 46 to say, there are times when we just need to be still and know that he is God. His voice, his presence, his power, and then finally his blessing. And his blessing is a strange thing in the midst of uh, the, the struggles, in the midst of the darkness. What does it mean to be blessed in those times which are hard? It says here, uh, further up, um, I have to scroll back for, it says, um, 
that her hard service, this is Jerusalem, has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, for us on the cross, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. Now that sounds like double trouble, but it's not what it's saying here. What it's saying is that it received double in recompense for all the calamity that's been befallen. And if you know the story of Job, where he loses everything, but he refuses to curse God, when God comes, he blesses him with more abundance than he could possibly have even dreamed of. Now, we may talk material blessing, and I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, but what I am saying is that double portion of his presence of his love, of his comfort, of his joy. And I don't know whether you've been through it all and they have been the moments when you have felt God's, God's presence most powerfully. I've certainly got friends that have been through really tough times and they've said, you know what, through it all, God has been with me more than I have ever known him before. You can have joy in the midst of the suffering. You can know peace in the midst of the turmoil because God is good and he is present and he is powerful and he does speak if only we would listen come lord so i'm going to invite the band to come up and join me here on the stage and i don't know where you are in your epic journey of faith when the books are written about your lives whether you are sat on the train having had dad ask lots of awkward questions and you're feeling really stressed and really anxious not quite know where you're going is it long eaton is it loughborough i'd much rather be in sheffield anyway i don't know where you are in your journey at the moment whether this is a great time and if it is praise the lord I don't know whether this is a tough period for you, but praise the Lord. We draw comfort from his voice. We draw comfort from his presence. We draw comfort knowing that he is sovereign, that he is almighty, that he is all-powerful. And we expect, because he has promised, that blessing is here and it is for us. Let's stand together, shall we?